Drones are everywhere, little quadcopter drones. They're polluting our skies. There's a sound effect of one playing right now. And people are concerned that these drones could cause accidents, that they could, I don't know, get in the way of small airplanes. The Dutch police force has come up with a very interesting way to um, take down a drone if they, if they need to. Mark Wiebes is a policeman in Holland. So, Mark, can you tell us about it? Okay. Uh, well, in innovation in policing, we always like to look at solutions that biology might provide. And uh, we thought, what's best to use to catch a technical bird out of the sky? And we trained uh, an eagle, a fishing eagle, we call it in, uh, in Dutch. And um, we trained the bird to, uh, to catch a drone out of the sky. So what does this uh, look like? Well, there's, there's the eagle and the drone, and think of a quadcopter drone, the uh-huh. most popular uh, drones in, uh, in Holland. Uh, it, it's hanging somewhere in the sky, and the eagle is released and uh, hunts for its prey and catches the drone in midair and uh, brings it down to uh, a safe place, uh, what, uh, what the eagle considers a safe place to uh, bring his prey down. And we'll, we'll trade it off the eagle by uh, presenting it some, uh, some meat, a piece of chicken, for instance. It's quite close to its normal hunting behavior. Uh, it's just that it's not catching a fish out of water or a bird out of the sky, but a, a drone out of the sky. Have any of the drones ever fought back? No, they, they tend to uh, fall apart because the eagles are quite uh, firm in their grip, and uh, uh, we, we've lost a lot of drones, uh, actually. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> These are young birds, of, uh, of course. They are now uh, not, not really uh, a year old, uh, I think uh, eight months old. Of age, and they, they are very uh, enthusiastic, and they uh, they scream, uh, I think, uh, because they are happy to uh, to catch the the prey they want. You said they scream. There's sort of a battle cry as it takes down the. Well, it it seems to be that they they're crying in in in, in pride of uh, uh, having their their prey, but uh, this is interpretation. I sure. I don't know, of course. So, Mark, how many police eagles do you have? We have two birds in training right now, and it's a proof of concept, so it's a, it's a pilot of, a, of an innovative project. And once we are happy with the, the outcome of the project, we might have some more birds. What are their, what are their names? Uh, they're called uh, uh, Hunter and Storm, actually, and they're oh. females. And are they going to wear any kind of police uniform? No, I'm sorry. Uh, we, we, we'd like them to have some police striping. No, that's a joke. No, they're, they're, uh, they're as they are. You, you said uh, early on in our conversation that um, in, in your unit, you're, you often look to, uh, in trying to innovate, you look to biology. Is there an, another example where you've kind of looked to the natural world to solve a policing problem? Uh, there is. Um, we, for instance, trained uh, rats, the common rat, to, uh, to sniff, sniff uh, substances for us. Uh, to find uh, explosives or drugs? Probably, yeah. So I imagine you also have police dogs, too? We do, yeah, of course. Okay, so you have police eagles, police rats, and police dogs. And horses. And police horses. And we have police men and women as well. Okay. (laughs) Well, Mark, thank you so much for telling us about your eagles. You're very welcome. This is How to Do Everything. I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. On today's show, we'll tell you how to leave a voicemail that isn't awkward. Uh, But first, Valentine's Day is right around the corner. Happy Valentine's Day. And to you. Back in the 1800s, there was a Valentine's craze in Great Britain and in the U.S. 
And they had they would send the traditional, you know, roses are red, violets are blue kind of Valentine's cards. But uh, there there was another thing too. Annabella Pollen is a lecturer at the University of Brighton. Annabella, can you tell us about the other Valentine's traditions you were looking into? So uh, the particular tradition that I am interested in and that I've been researching is this tradition of sending insulting Valentine's cards, sometimes called mock or mocking Valentine's cards or vinegar Valentine's cards. And it's, uh, it's a way of sending an insult to somebody you hate rather than sending some flattery to somebody you love. So, <laughs> so using an occasion that, that most people um, yeah, are celebrating love, uh, they celebrate hate. Yeah, it's strange. They would still be sent anonymously. So in the same way that you might send a card anonymously to somebody who you fancied and whose attentions you wanted to attract, you would send a card anonymously to somebody who you really strongly disliked. So you could send a kind of veiled insult to them. So they become quite sinister because um, an anonymous love letter is charming. It's a puzzle to be decoded. An anonymous uh, letter of hate, it's like a poison pen letter. And uh, in the times before the prepaid stamp in England, people used to have to pay for a letter on delivery. So that's even worse. You get this insult, you don't know who it's from, and you have to pay for the privilege of being insulted. Do you have any examples of one of these? Yeah, I've got quite a few of them, actually. I found a big collection in uh, Brighton Museum, and some of them have very specific aims. So some of them were aimed at your neighbour, your boss, your sister, your friend. They were aimed also at certain occupations and certain kind of social shortcomings. So you would send one to somebody who was greedy or vain or pompous or um, couldn't stop talking or whatever the, the kind of their problem might be. And there were, there were some for alcoholics. <laughs> and this is one that I find really intriguing because um, now we might think that alcoholism is something that's um, you know, it's a pathology. It's something that people need to be treated for. Yeah. It's considered a disease in our culture, and sometimes we might feel sorry for people who suffer from alcoholism, but in these Victorian greetings cards, you would send an insult to somebody who drank too much. So I have an example of um, a caricature of a figure who's obviously been on quite a heavy night out. His uh, waistcoat's half undone and his pocket watch is falling out and his top hat is crumpled and he's clinging onto a lamppost for support. And underneath this caricature, it says, the kiss of the bottle is your heart's delight and fuddles you reel home to bed every night. What care you for damsels, no matter how fair, apart from your liquor, you've no love to spare. Mm. That seems to me incredibly cool. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Are they now? Do, what do they look like? Are there? Um, they, does... Well, they came in a great variety of shapes and sizes. Usually, they have a really garish and really unforgiving caricature of the recipient at the top, and then a bit of letterpress, kind of doggerel poetry down at the bottom. And they were very, very cheap, cheaply produced. And uh, they were very cheap to buy as well. They just, you know, they just cost a penny to send and you would fold them up um, on themselves rather than putting them in an envelope and seal them up and address them to your 
chosen enemy and off they went. Is there any record, Annabella, of somebody receiving one of these? Yeah, you see, I was really interested to find that out. So I looked through memoirs and I also looked through newspapers and there are a lot of records, particularly in newspapers, of people receiving these cards and their reaction to it. And sometimes the evidence that I found was in the crime section of the newspapers because sometimes they prompted people to terrible crimes. There were records of fights that had broken out in factories where somebody had received one and they you know, ended up having a kind of fist fight with the person who'd sent it. And when you kind of look at how vicious some of the humour could be, some is quite playful. It's, you know, a dig in the ribs. But some are really shocking. I I found an example of one that um, it didn't actually have a picture of a caricature in this one. It had a picture of a railway track and a train heading towards a tunnel. And in the drawing, it had a picture saying, um, danger, fast-moving trains. And the poetry at the bottom of that one, the little poem said, O miserable, lonely wretch, despised by all who know you, haste, haste your days to end, this sketch, the quickest way will show you. So that's a card that's (laughs) telling somebody to throw themselves in front of a moving train because they're so unlovable and so unloved. You know, we we talk so much today about like how Twitter and, and other social media enables us to be so cruel to each other because we have this this anonymity and we kind of get dehumanized because we don't see each other's faces it's not a modern thing like <laughs> this was I happening completely on agree. Day. i completely agree this is like trolling <laughs> in yeah. another time and place and it's very interesting as well because i think sometimes politicians in particular or anyone who's feeling nostalgic for some kind of golden age will look back to the 1800s and see it as a time when people were more moral and people knew how to behave And uh, there are a lot of cliches about the Victorians as being very uptight and uh, humourless, this idea of unsmiling Queen Victoria and saying, we are not amused. So this idea of Victorians being very straight-laced and humourless, but also kind of morally much more respectable, starts to break down when you look at these cards and you think, actually... Maybe we have got the moral high ground here. Maybe we're not going to hell in a handcart. Maybe we're better than this now. And they died out for a reason. So, Annabella, we have, uh, it's not that far off that Valentine, Valentine's Day is coming. Do you have any, any plans? Have you bought any Valentines yet? <laughs> Funnily enough, when I met my partner, it was shortly before February. And uh, I did say to him something about Valentine's Day. And he said, oh, you don't do all that Valentine stuff, do you? And I said, yes, I do. You need to do it too. He said, okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, maybe the Valentines will be a bit more down to earth. They won't be insulting. But equally, I find the the whole sentimental Valentine trade quite repulsive too. So perhaps that's why I'm attracted to these darker Valentines because, you know, we all know the reality of love and relationships it's full of light and shade, so maybe if I send a card this year, it might reflect uh, both those aspects. Well, Annabella, thank you so much for talking to us about this, and happy Valentine's Day. Um, happy Valentine's Day to you. I think it would be fun if you have someone that you want to send uh, an anti-Valentine, a vinegar Valentine to, uh, let us know about it, and we will do it anonymously for you on our show. 
And if, if we have the time, we'll have our artist-in-residence, Justin Witte, uh, make a card for you. Now, it's possible that by saying what we've just said, we're going to get a lot of... Unleash a torrent of hate. Yeah. Happy Valentine's Day. Now's the part of our show where we want to thank our sponsors. One of today's sponsors is Stamps.com. You know Stamps.com. They help businesses avoid time-consuming trips to the post office. With Stamps.com, you can use your own computer and your own printer to print official U.S. postage for any letter or package, and then the mail carrier uh, comes and picks it up. Can I use my work computer and printer? Uh, That's going to depend on the policies of your workplace. It's cheaper for me. No more wasting time going to the post office or wasting money on expensive postage meters. Or wasting money on printing stuff on my home computer. Sign up today for a four-week trial and a special offer, including postage and a digital scale. Go to stamps.com, click on the microphone, and enter everything. You know, we have another sponsor, too. It's HBO Now. HBO Now is the new way to stream all of HBO with no TV package required. You can get all of the series, movies, documentaries, sports specials, and more. Download the HBO Now app on your favorite device and start your 30-day free trial instantly. We got a we got a voicemail in the old how-to voicemail box. That number, if you have a question and you'd like to leave it in an old-timey way, is 1-800-GAGAX-5. That's right. 1-800-GAGAX-5. One new message. Hi, how to every how to do everything? Hi, how to do everything? Um, My husband always says that I make really awkward phone messages. So I'm really wondering, what is the best way to not make an awkward phone message? Thanks. You also may have realized that I called previously and hung up. Um, That was me. My name is Laura. Thanks. All right, Laura, we we really want to help you here. And uh, I think the way to do it... we're going to ask people to leave in that same voicemail box some non-awkward voicemails to help you. New message. Hello there. This is the poet Phyllis Levin calling in after considering your dilemma. I know that awkward rambling phone messages can be a problem. Maybe you should think of a haiku, a traditional Japanese form of poetic expression that's very brief and concise. Adapted into English, A haiku is just three lines, with five syllables in the first and last line, and seven in the middle. I have written a haiku you can use when you get stuck leaving a phone message. Don't forget to leave your name and number after reciting these lines. I cannot recall what I was going to say. The beep threw me off. This is R.L. Stein. So sorry I missed you. I have something I've been meaning to tell you for a long time. I guess I might as well go ahead and say it. I hope this doesn't upset you, but... Hi, this is Emily McDowell. I write and design green cards for a living for my company, Emily McDowell Studio. And here is my awkward voice message about how to not leave awkward voice messages. The way I see it, leaving a voicemail is an inherently awkward activity. You're basically having a one-sided conversation, which is really hard. So I think you have two choices here. You can either just lean into the awkwardness and totally go for it, which I personally think is kind of charming. 
Or you can just skip leaving any kind of information whatsoever and just be like, hi, call me back. Realistically, if the person you're calling is anything like me, they won't even listen to your message. They'll just see that you called and call you back. Maybe. Hi, Laura. This is John Favreau. I used to write speeches for President Obama, and I'm calling with three simple tips on how to leave the perfect voicemail. One, wait for the beep. Two, hang up the phone. And three, send a text. Good luck. The weird thing we always think about when we think about that John Favreau is there's the other John Favreau, the actor, who actually was in the most awkward voicemail scene in uh, movie history. This is from Swingers. Can you leave a message? Hi, uh, Nikki. This is Mike. I met you at the um, at the Dresden uh, tonight. Uh, I just called to, to say that I had a great time. And you should call me tomorrow or in uh, two, two days, uh, whatever. Anyway, uh, my number is 213-555-4679. Hi, this is Nikki. Leave a message. Hi, uh, Nikki, this is Mike again. I, I just called because it sounded like your, your machine might have cut me off when I, when I, uh, before I finished leaving my number. Anyway, uh, and you know, and also, um, sorry to call so late, but you were still at the Dresden when I left, so I knew I'd get your machine. Anyhow, uh, uh, my number is two one. Hi, this is Nikki. Leave a message. Two one three five 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 four six seven nine. That's it. Just want to leave my number. I didn't want you to think I was uh, weird or desperate. Or- we should just uh, hang out and uh, see where it goes because it's nice and, uh, you know, expectations. So, okay. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. I just got out of a six-year relationship, okay? That should help explain why I'm acting so weird. I just want you to know that it, it's not you, it's me. I'm sorry. This is Mike. All right, uh, uh, back to the messages for Laura. Hi, this is John Favreau. Um, I'm calling to tell you how to leave a voice message. I guess that's because I'm probably best known as an actor for leaving um, the voicemail, although it wasn't called a voicemail then, uh, in the movie Swingers. That was a script I wrote, and that was a bit that I wrote. Because at the time, leaving voice messages were a big part of uh, the dating scene, but this is going back about 20 years now. Uh, it's made it very difficult, by the way, uh, back then when I was trying to uh, actually leave voice messages for people because it sounded so... I, I was always get a little flustered because I knew that everybody was listening to me leaving a voice message, and that would probably be uh, played for other people. And then... Um, I became conscious, as I am now, of sounding a lot like how I did in, in, in the film when I left it, and so I kind of sound like a adenoidal version of, uh, you know, uh, how should I say, of, um, see, this is what happens to me uh, a lot. And thankfully, you don't have to leave voice messages anymore. It's all done through text now. But there's added pressure with the text, too, because text can be, go viral and be spread and shared and emails can be shared and hacked and things. So I guess the key with being uh, leaving a voice message is just to be br- brief and succinct and, and to the point. Um, and, uh, but then you have to keep making sounds, otherwise you get cut off. So I, I, I sound like I'm 
I, I don't actually talk like this when I'm speaking to somebody in person, but I know that I'm going to uh, get cut off if I don't. And so you end up sounding like a uh, airline pilot who's trying to keep the channel open with uh, by speaking. And so uh, I guess the trick is be yourself, be succinct, be quick, uh, and don't make it something where somebody has to fast-forward you or, or delete you before they hear the end of the message. Uh, I hope that's helpful. I always say who you were, which I did in the beginning, and uh, I hope this is helpful. Uh, so there, there it is, signing off John Favreau, how to leave a voice message if you are if you are indeed a luddite and still leaving voice messages i for one by the way don't have a voicemail set up on my phone so i don't really i'm i think it's i don't know if it's really part of our culture anymore and many people don't either they they just would prefer to be uh texted texted text to receive a text to avoid these kind of awkward moments thank you i hope this helps We got an email from Megan. Megan says she is an Australian mum slash deputy ambassador's wife living in the Philippines, and uh, she listens to How to Do Everything while sorting and throwing out dead Play-Doh. Megan, these next 15 seconds are for you. How do I say goodbye? It's so hard to say goodbye to old Play-Doh, Megan. Which is why this is the, the perfect song. Really, if there's anything that marks the transition more from going from a boy to a man, going from boys to men, it is the death of Play-Doh. I think maybe a, a good thing to do right now is just to think of all the nice things. I remember when you, Play-Doh, got stuck you know, under the button in the cushions of the couch. Mm-hmm. And uh, we couldn't get you out. And so every time I sat down, it was like we were sitting together. I'll never forget the taste. Well, that does it for today's show. What we learned today, Mike? I learned that back in the 19th century, people sent mean valentines to each other. You think about the way you feel when somebody hands you a va- valentine. Yeah. You know, you think, oh, that's a... So it, it doesn't just take you from kind of neutral. It takes you from... The highest emotional high yeah. to re- really the lowest emotional low. Right, because if, especially if it's like a secret admirer. We, we talk about secret admirers a lot, but the secret hater is something that's that's a secret despiser. Yeah. Have you ever had a secret despiser? No. Well, I don't know. I learned that eagles can be trained to think of uh, uh, drones, basically remote control uh, helicopters, as, as prey. Yeah, that does make you worried. Doesn't make you kind of worried for any other type of remote control things you might have that yeah. you might play with outside. Yeah, I, I you come home and your Roomba vacuum cleaner has just been completely eviscerated. Right, like we're we're basically training eagles to have a taste for electronics. Yeah, I bet right now somewhere there's a mama eagle with her uh, eaglets in a nest dropping regurgitated old iPhone into their mouths. How to Do Everything is produced by Nadia Wilson with technical direction from Lorna White. Our intern this week is Justin Marshall. Justin is in charge of customer satisfaction. So if you didn't enjoy uh, today's show, uh, here's Justin's phone number. It's 1-800-GAGAX-5. 
Get us your questions at howto at npr.org. Hey, we want to give a special thanks also this week to our voicemail contributors, John Favreau and John Favreau, and also Phyllis Levin, who left the haiku voicemail. Her fifth collection of poetry, Mr. Memory and Other Poems, comes out in March. We also want to thank John Favreau. And John Favreau. I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. Thanks. Thanks. Nadia. Now that you're done listening to our podcast, maybe you want to listen to something else. For music, games, puzzles, and trivia, check out Ask Me Another. Play along with Taryn Killam from Saturday Night Live, try games of mysterious phenomena, and see what you know about some of the lesser-known puppets on Sesame Street. Ask Me Another is like trivia night, but a lot funnier. Play along now at npr.org slash podcasts or on the NPR One app.